0: What's poppin'? It's QU Hot Takes. My name is Andrew White and I'm alongside Kay Slats and Jay Ellie, Justin Ellis and Kevin Slattery for those of you new to the show. Again, it's QU Hot Takes. My name is Andrew White and what do you know boys? It is football season, at least preseason, doesn't matter. Today marks the first day of the fall in which we are just talking football today. Does it bring back memories or what? Justin, how you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing pretty well. We're a week and a half away from that Buccaneers-Cowboys Thursday night kickoff. So crazy to think we're around the corner. Fantasy season's around the corner, which always has me hyped. I have three fantasy drafts Labor Day weekends. So keeping busy. I'm all football blood right now.
0: Love it. Love it. Kevin, how are we doing? And are you just as excited for the football season?
2: I- I'm really excited, man, because... Now, like, again, fantasy football season, I'm in it to win it. It's down for money. Yet at the same time, I'm going to have to get an online account for just sending people money because I'm, I'm a still, like, I hand people money person. Like, so that's what I am. Like, I like handing people cold, hard cash, straight cash, homie. But at the same time, I need to get digital, man. I need to get into the 21st century to send people stuff.
0: I get it. Hey, so tomorrow, for those of you that are curious all three of us actually. So, Marshall cannot make it, but all three of us—we are. Well, Justin and I are former orientation leaders, but Kevin knows all of the orientation leaders, so he is a part of an orientation league. And yes, there will be a Venmo request tomorrow for Kevin, so he'll uh, he'll he'll get that app at some point in the near future. But nonetheless, it is football season, so let's get cracking. Let's get right to it. Um, before we get into some predictions. We're going to talk about some QBs that were named starters recently, of which I'm sure Justin is quite happy, not about one, but both of the QBs that we're going to be talking about. And Justin's nodding his head right now. For starters, we'll go with Bridgewater before we get into your Winston rant. So Teddy Bridgewater is named the starter
1: of Denver. How do you feel about it, Justin? Uh, I'm a huge fan of Teddy Bridgewater. I'm, Also still kind of a fan of Drew Locke. I just think when you look at the two quarterbacks right now, Teddy Bridgewater has shown time and time again, he does have a reliability level to him. When he was playing, when Drew Brees was out with that rib injury a few years ago, and Teddy Bridgewater was there, he was getting a 6-0 record. He played extremely well when he was on the Saints. And that was because he knows how to use weapons. He's a good game planner. Honestly, he kind of gives me this Alex Smith kind of esque, as far as like a good game managing quarterback goes, he's not going to blow you away and have like an amazing, like 400 yard game or like hundred rushing yards, but you can probably rely on him to get around the 250 passing yards, a touchdown or two, probably an interception and can rush for probably the 30 to 50 yards. So I think this is all good news for Denver because, you know, if Teddy for some reason doesn't work out, which I'd be surprised, They have Drew Locke there as a backup. So I think going with Bridgewater, going with the veteran, who has a lot more years in the league, makes a lot of sense. He didn't look as good with the Panthers last season, but I think the Broncos, based off of how all the other quarterbacks want to be traded to Denver, have a much bigger resource of weapons to choose from for Bridgewater to really get grooving as the season starts.
0: And you mentioned before we go to Kevin that he's a partially a running QB as well do you think Teddy Bridgewater in this offense will help the young wide receivers? Like a guy like Judy and Sutton who's coming back from injury, or do you think they're going to suffer a little bit more from that?
1: I don't think that there's any initial change. If anything, the wide receivers probably suffer if I had to go one direction or the other, because I do think drew Locke has a bit of like a deeper and more powerful arm though. Inaccurate at times. I just don't see Bridgewater hucking a lot of 20 plus yard passes down the field. So I think you're expecting a lot of shorter slant route runs, a lot of curl runs, which doesn't play into the Denver wide receiver strengths, in my opinion. But I think with their offensive line set up, I do think there's a great opportunity for the rushing attack. I think Melvin Gordon has been vastly underrated for another year. And I think he'll show up. And I also think um, the rookie out of UNC Williams, who they brought in also will have a really good shot at getting a lot of reps. So I honestly expect it to be a much heavier rushing attack than some people may expect out of Denver.
0: Okie dokie, Kevin, how do you feel about this move? You like Bridgewater there or happy for him, Denver? What are your thoughts?
2: I think Justin's nailed really the assessment of where Denver's going because Teddy Bridgewater, while yes, he can be he's kind of like a low-line starter in terms of he's not a franchise quarterback, but if you're trying to get to the big dance, if you're trying to get to the playoffs just with a competent roster. Teddy Bridgewater can get you there. He's not a big physical traits guy. He doesn't have a howitzer for an arm, but he's accurate. He's smart. He knows how to get the job done. Drew Locke, I don't think this is them saying like we're done with Drew Locke necessarily, but it is showing that he's not, or they're not beholden to Drew Locke now in the short term or even the long term right now, which I think is important because they have a good roster that I think could contend for a playoff spot. And if you're the Broncos right now, the only other option would have been like if you don't want to go Drew Locke, was okay. Like, do you want to do like a tankathon rebuild for like, you know, five or 10 years? So, this is the best that they were going to do. You got a young Bradley Chubb, you got Jerry Judy, you have talented guys. You get in the playoffs, make something happen. And who knows? Maybe you go somewhere from there.
1: And I also think, like, looking at Bridgewater, I think he probably is a bigger locker room guy too as compared to drew lock um there was a lot of stories that came out when bridgewater was in new orleans where like he was well known for like biking from his home to the stadium for whatever he had practices or games for literally anything and he was even seen when there were high school games he would go on friday nights to the high school games and be on the sideline with the high schoolers he really is a community and locker room type of guy he just has that personality i think drew lock could also have that but i think honestly sitting behind bridgewater Locke will have another shot at some point, whether that's with Denver or somewhere else. And I think there's a really good opportunity for him to learn some kind of like locker room skills as well. Drew Locke, I think, is a starter in this league, and I don't think he's done yet. I just think he got stuck behind a veteran who has proven that time and time again, he can be consistent at the very least, which Drew Locke has his extreme highs and extreme lows. And in that wide
0: receiver young type of room, you might need that veteran type of quarterback just to calm them down and put them in their place, so to speak. And also you mentioned the, just Teddy Bridgewater and and taking his, his bike rides and such. I wouldn't say Locke is an ego in terms of a negative thing, but he has an ego and he's a confident guy that could potentially go the wrong direction in locker rooms for a young core. So uh, I get that, but moving on to, another quarterback who was named the starter. So I I was, I was sitting, uh, 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 working and I saw this tweet from Schefter himself. I believe this one was from Schefter and, uh, I immediately thought of Justin. Um, so, but before we go to Justin, I want to hear Kevin's take first, because we know Justin's going to go on a rant and hit every point possible. So we're going to, we're going to give Kevin his love here. So Jameis Winston is the man in New Orleans for this coming year, at least week number one. Kevin, how do you feel about it? Do you think it's the right choice? And do you think he'll be a good QB there?
2: Well, I know where Jelly stands on this. I'm 90% sure I know where he stands on this. I, uh, I'm i not going to be as critical because I'm going to leave that to Justin. But to defend Jameis Winston here, I think if you're looking for a guy who is – high trade attributes in terms of like a big arm potentially and opening up the field, which is something that, you know, I think Marsh and other uh, other people on the show have talked about like New Orleans offense needing to do at some point, Jameis Winston gives them that opportunity. And with a guy like Sean Payton, who again, is one of the best scheme coaches in the league. um, It could be potentially a deadly combo, but again, we've seen now, you know, having Jameis Winston have a, you know, even touchdown, even interception season. What was it, like 30 TDs, 30 interceptions? So we've seen that. There's a lot of good with Jameis. There's a lot of bad. Um, they're trying to risk it to get the biscuit. I mean, Taysom Hill could have been a safer option, and but there might have been some limitations in terms of, against spraying the ball down the field. So I think Sean Payton's betting a lot now on his own ability to get the most out of Jameis and the offensive scheme right here.
0: And I think, Kevin, you're going to be a little bit surprised. I think Justin loves
1: this move. But, Justin, go on. Tell us about Winston. The gods have finally given Jameis Winston his light back. (laughs) They have come down from above from Bounty Gate or whatever heckin' lifestyle that the Saints have been in for years. And Jameis Winston will finally get his chance again. He's going to get a chance to beat down Tampa probably and face his old team at some point, and he will 100% do it because I am 100% on the Jameis Winston train. I mean, if we really talk about it, Michael Thomas is now hurt. And it was talked about in training camp that Jameis Winston was actually trailing Taysom Hill as as far as um, first um, team reps go. So now right. Jameis Winston is going to be coming in and playing with these backup wide receivers, second teamers. Particularly, we talk about Marquez Calloway, who has been a huge discussion coming into this season. He's had some great passes from Jameis in the preseason. And I don't know if the preseason says a lot, but I know there are preseason wide receivers around how Calloway played, such as Antonio Brown, who really came out of nowhere in the preseason and all of a sudden were a huge wide receiver on their team. So I would not be surprised if if Callaway took that path. I also will pound my chest continuously that Troy Kwan Smith will finally have a breakout season. Um, Every year I keep thinking it's going to be the year. This year I'm really thinking with Jameis Winston because this guy can puck the ball down the field as good as anyone. If I think about like arm strength and if I was going to have quarterbacks just chuck the ball as far as they could, you have like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, but Jameis Winston's my dark horse for like chucking the ball down the field. And on top of that, I just really think the offensive line is a lot better than it was when Jameis Winston played for the Bucs as well. So I think having that will probably help his interception ratio a bit. So I'm pretty hopeful. This team, honestly, is probably a bit better well-rounded-wise than the Bucks were when he played for them. Because you're looking at the Bucks, you have like Jameis Winston, Godwin, and Evans were both there. But your rushing attack was... I'm going to say Doug Martin is the only guy I can think of that was running when Jameis Winston was there, the classic muscle hamster. So I think um, now having Kamara in the backfield too, in addition to that, is going to open up a lot more options for Winston. I'm pretty in on the Saints now. And I think in fantasy too, Jameis Winston is going to be a top five quarterback in fantasy this season. Really? I think his numbers are going to be off the chart. His numbers were always off the chart for Tampa. I think his team's way better now. He's going to throw a lot of dink and dunk to Alvin Kamara, too, and he's going to get a bunch of yards after catch. I'm 100% in on Winston in all regards. Dink and dunk. I kind of like that phrase. Did you read that somewhere, or am I just behind the ball? I, I feel like I hear it a lot. Maybe I came up with it, but I'm pretty sure I heard it somewhere.
2: <laughs> I've heard it from years of Tom Brady in New England. i <laughs> <from laughs> <and> other people. <laughs> Yo, see, speaking
1: of- Speaking of which, did anyone see that thing that um, one of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles safeties was calling out Cam Newton for throwing so many passes to his running back in a row? He started yelling it before the play happened. He was like, Cam Newton's going to throw it to the running back. And then Cam did it like five times in a row. And it was like literally this second year safety, Kayvon Wallace, who like no one talks about. He was only good when he played for Clemson. He's barely had any snaps. And he was literally... Giving so much BS to the Cam. I just find that hilarious. But that's how the Patriots play. Think and dunk.
0: Dude, dude, I I listen, second year's sh- schmecken year. I don't care. I, I love that banter. He's in the NFL for a reason. I think that's hype. I, I I love that story. I love it. I love it. Also, I mean it's been kind of proven the past uh I guess only year or so that frankly Cam Newton doesn't know how to throw the ball more than than 10 yards. See, at least Tom Brady's proven everybody wrong in terms of he actually can throw the ball like further than 10 yards. I genuinely don't know if Cam Newton can throw a spiral more than 10 yards.
1: You know, I think, I think all that Cam Newton I mean, I agree that Cam Newton probably can't throw the ball well, but I also <laughs> think that it's proving that Josh McDaniel should have never been even considered for a head coaching job. I I, see. I think Tom Brady elevated Josh McDaniels, coaching resume far too much and I think McDaniel is extremely overrated as far as offensive coordinators go
0: that's a fair take that's a fair take
1: all right let's move on and I'm going to throw a curveball
0: at the squad here where I also saw this tweet I imagine YouTube may have picked up on these on this news in the past few hours Uh, the Dolphins are a um, a top potential destination for the Deshauns of Watsons Um, Now, the question I have for you gentlemen is one, do you think that would even happen? And then two, how do you think the Dolphins are viewing Tua? Is this, is this going to be a downfall of Tua? If let's just, so one, is it going to happen? And then if it did, how does this kind of look for, for Tua's future? It's kind of a question I have for you people. Um, I'm, I'm throwing you a haywire here, but we'll go with Kevin first. What are your, what are your thoughts?
2: I think Miami, if everything put aside legally was okay. Of course, of course. Then I think, yeah, it's, it's no brainer. We're sending, you know, we're sending boatloads of first round picks your way. We'll we'll do whatever we have to Um, legally. I mean, I don't know. I saw something on ESPN's ticker the other day where it was like the FBI getting involved potentially for, because they're investigating extortion. And I don't know, there's all sorts of hypotheticals of what could be happening there. But I think if you're Miami, you're also viewing it from the perspective of two is replaceable at this point in terms of like what you've seen from him on the field. Like he hasn't been bad on the field. I think he's been good or decent quarterback, but it's just there he hasn't been the franchise quarterback guy that maybe they anticipated. And there might be some disappointment in either in the front office or ownership that that maybe he hasn't been what we thought coming out. I still think two is promising. I think he could be a good quarterback. But they are looking around because, again, Deshaun Watson is proven he's probably a top five quarterback when everything's clicking. So that's what they're hoping for. They're hoping for if the legal stuff gets cleared up, they're going to make a move with Deshaun Watson, especially too if there's not that much going in the way of suspensions.
0: And, and Justin, I know you had mentioned that, you know, you believe this suspension will occur no matter what. But let's just say they trade and frankly, they don't even care about a suspension because they're like, oh, we'll have him at the end of the year or next year and so forth, uh, one, do you think this type of move is likely and to the same, same type of thing? How do you, your thoughts on Tua and where he would land in the league or would he forever be a backup?
1: Yeah. So it's very interesting because I was looking at the same tweets that you were looking at earlier and I was digging into them a bit deeper because honestly, I'm not shocked that the dolphins are going after Deshaun Watson. This was a talk prior to even the NFL draft between like the dolphins and the jets were both considering Watson at one point. Um, But what really interested me this time is there was a talk about pick protection, something I had never heard of being used in the NFL before um, in the event that he is suspended or is proven guilty for what he's done. Um, So that's knowledge to me that I've never heard of someone protecting picks. I've heard of conditional picks that would change based off of it. And maybe it's something related to conditional picks. Um, but if they can do it in a way that it's conditional picks, I believe it's a lot more likely than if they could do it without. So if I wouldn't say the Dolphins are getting up three firsts and two seconds, which is what the Texans seem to want. If there isn't some kind of protection in the event that Watson isn't um, able to play again. Um, I'm personally really out on Tua. I don't think Alabama quarterbacks turn into successful NFL players. Um, I think Alabama is very good at fielding every other position in the book.
0: Um, Literally every position. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I was like, every other position, Alabama 100%. But I just don't see Alabama quarterbacks succeeding that often. I don't think Tua is much different. I think um, Miami might realize that they're overhyped compared to other teams i think a lot of people are talking up miami this year and i think miami's front office is a bit scared because i don't think they actually have the personnel that's needed to be as hype as they're expected to be i think they're going to be stuck in that kind of limbo purgatory right around or right below or above 500 um so i think it's doable i think it's something that miami if they can get them protected should definitely do if they can protect the picks i'd 100 percent find a way to get Deshaun Watson if I was the Dolphins.
0: All righty. That's what we got here on the hot takes. He heard it here first. Now moving to Sony Michelle, another man who is going to be in a new Jersey, <laughs> in New Jersey, um, a, a new clothing Jersey in this coming season. Um, I promise you, this is not just because I'm a Georgia fan. This question was brought to you by Justin um, as were the rest of them. But no, in all honesty, this is a, a a widely talked about move in this past week. So he has left the Patriots, where he was seeing a much lesser role, especially after Damian Harris's production last season and moving into this one. So he will now be on the Rams. Sony Michelle, our thoughts on the move. Uh, we'll go with Kevin first. Is Sony going to benefit? Will the Rams benefit? How do you feel? Because um, he was obviously in purgatory, as you would say, in New England
2: you're i mean this is probably the best news for you man this is your guy and now he's free from the ball control running back by committee system of new england and now he gets to be with the rams where yes i I do think he'll split touches with daryl henderson but i don't think it's going to be as frequent as when he was going to be in new england i mean you're going to get guys like damian harris now getting looks in new england but i think he's potential to be the lead back here he's super talented he's elusive um nick chubb is you know stolen the headline so far as his, you know, co-Georgia back. But I think this is a really good opportunity for him. And this is still going to be a really good team. So I think he's going to be the lead back. And I think he's going to get a lot of touches and a major fantasy football player too.
0: All righty. And we'll go to Justin next. Justin, by the way, uh, for all those people who had their early fantasy drafts, who drafted Henderson, at add to your talk here. Is that is that brutal for them or it's not going to matter?
1: I personally don't think it moves the needle much on Henderson. I mean, I think after the Cam Akers injury, I had Daryl Henderson ranked 16th, I believe. So, like, a pretty solid running back, too. This may move it back to like 19th or 20th, but he's still a running back, too, in fantasy, in my opinion. Like, he will support a lineup every week because he's going to have those receptions. Sony Michelle isn't taking any receiving a game away from Daryl Henderson. I think that's where Henderson's upside came the most. I think Michelle is probably more so going to take away some of Henderson's touchdowns because he's going to be a goal line back. I don't see Michelle developing into the role that Kev says. So we differ a bit on this because I think Michelle is there because the Rams don't have any faith in their depth. I mean, they got rid of Maker's being hurt. They sent Malcolm Brown is now in Miami. So they have all of these inexperienced backs sitting behind Daryl Henderson. And for a Rams team that has probably since the last year Gurley was on the team, been supporting a two-running back role, originally being Gurley and C.J. Anderson on the back end of that season. They were worried about Sean McVay wanted another running back in that backfield, and I don't feel like um, rookie Jake Funk, who a lot of people have been talking about, was going to cut it. Um, So at this point, Michelle was needed in order to handle some downhill rushing attack. Daryl Henderson's a bit more of a shifty LaShawn McCoy type of guy um sony michelle is more of like the mike tolbert downhill plow through the offensive line get two yards and your touchdown kind of guy so i expect him to be a bit of a bowling ball for that team and knock over the pins in front of him um as far as the pats go though i mean that Randori stevenson guy he's gonna get touches and i mean everyone's talking about damien harrison i would not be surprised if stevenson had this role by the end of the season Or I even think J.J. Taylor is going to get some 5, 10 touches maybe by the end of the season. So there is a lot of running backs in the Patriots' backfield as always. Obviously, I'm not buying any of the Patriots' running backs in something like Tennessee. But that's definitely going to be something to watch this season because they have some new names on that running back squad that were drafted. And it's going to be interesting to see how they use all of these weapons in their backfield. Probably unsuccessfully, but... That's Josh McDaniel's fault.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. Let's go to the QBs. Uh, in terms of the rookie QBs that we are imagining will partake in a majority of their respective teams uh, calendar year. So that is the Jags, Jets, 49ers, Bears, and Pats, of course. So Lawrence, Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Fields, and Jones. <laughs> See, we're already making fun of the Alabama QBs, and I almost forgot them for a second. Anyway, so let's go through the records that we think these teams will have at the end of the season. Keep in mind, we got a 17-game season. Uh, we will start with Justin because I can guarantee you this man already has a spreadsheet on the season with everybody's schedules and their records. So, Justin, you go first. List all five.
1: Well, wow, you've nailed it. I have my spreadsheet right up next to me. Um, so I'll say the I'll start from my best team to my least team. I think the 49ers out of those will probably have the best season. I'm actually going to be bold and say that they avoid the injury bug for once. And we see the team from a couple years ago when they played the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I think the 49ers can go 13-4 and four right now. I think their defense is immaculate. I love Brandon Ayuk. I love Debo Samuel. If Mostert's healthy, he is a running back menace on the field with his speed. I actually think Garoppolo will start a lot of the season. I mean, a 13-4 and record, if the 49ers are winning, they're not going to move from Garoppolo. And I think he's going to start week one. So does Trey Lance get that opportunity? Maybe as the season progresses, if they're just unhappy with Garoppolo, for like throwing too many lower than 200 yard games. Um, maybe they do that, but I do think the 49ers have the best chance um, to list off the other teams. I think the Bears, um, I have them at nine and eight and just missing playoffs, missing it from the actual winning the division. I'm not high on the Packers either this season, but. I think Bears go 9-8. and eight. Andy Dalton is going to start Week 1. I think there's no doubt in anyone's mind, much to most people's chagrin. Um, chagrin. but <laughs> Hey, I'm, I'm trying to think of some good words to use. You, you know? <laughs> I like it. I
0: like it. High vocab. High vocab.
1: But, uh, yeah, I mean, Bears 9-8. and eight, I don't think that's going to be anything super crazy going on there. I love Justin Fields as a possible Rookie of the Year candidate, but – I think Andy Dalton's going to have to blow up that team's chances before Fields gets a chance. Um, after that, I'm looking at the uh, Jags, probably. I have them going 5-12. and 12. Um, Losing Travis Ntn for the season, most likely, is very tough. But honestly, thank God for James Robinson, <laughs> because he was kind of getting plowed over by Ntn. So having that opportunity to still get the reps from last year will be really good for him from um, Zach Wilson I don't expect him to do too much for the Jets I have the Jets at four and 13 and I have the Pats doing slightly better at seven and ten but I don't know if Mac Jones will ever hit the field this season I think Cam is going to have to screw up pretty badly because I'm already shocked that Mac Jones isn't starting week one um so Cam's obviously doing something right the start so I'm interested to see if the Pats go to a rushing attack um with cam a bit more
0: i have i have two takes before i go to kevin i just want to mention something one what i've seen from trey lance is abysmal i don't know if any of you have have watched or even if you haven't because frankly preseason football blows and we all know it but it's still football and we were excited uh but even just like looking at stats and such but i watched him a bit he was atrocious uh for the couple times that i saw him play so i mean i don't know if that's gonna stick or not but I, I lean towards Justin's point of Garoppolo's not not taking a backseat burner until he he kind of blows up a, a losing chance. Um, so I was actually a little unfortunate to see that in, in Lance. And I don't know if you saw that interview of Garoppolo where somebody asked, do you know who the week one starter is going to be? And he basically started laughing. And he looked and he said, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was... Uh... I mean, I don't call it confidence, call it cocky. I'm not really sure what I'd call it, but uh, he was, I I felt like he was laughing at Trey Lance, not going to lie to you. So that was kind of awkward, but nonetheless, that's my first take. And my second take is I'm going to do it again with the Bears. I think this is my, my fourth year in a row where I think they will be the best team in their division. And uh, that's what I'm going to hope for, for them. Their defense is very good, but I will say this. That will not be the case. Uh, if Justin Fields starts any later than week four, that's my take because although I don't like Justin Fields, I think he is in the best position to succeed highly in, in that type of squad. So um, if he starts by week four, I think they'll, they'll win that division.
1: Yeah. That's Um, what, happens with like my records and stuff that's why i have them going 98 because i have justin Fields starting week five <laughs> <laughs>
0: look at that I, I nailed it on the head wow,
1: wow i was like i have the packers going 98 too i just have the packers winning the tiebreaker like literally every year i say the nfc north is trash and then the packers win like 12 games for some reason so i can't really argue with that but to your point about trey lance i agree he's looked pretty abysmal up to this point and most people will overlook that because he's thrown like 280 yard passes or whatever. Right, right. So all of a sudden they're like, "Oh my god, he's a huge deep threat or something like that." But in reality, he's throwing under 50% completion rate. Um right. so And, and by I, the
0: And go but, on, I'm sorry. No, you I, go. I
1: just don't think Trey Lance should be starting this season, like period. I think Garoppolo is like way better and I think like people are just overlooking him because the last time he like played and people remember is that he threw eight passes in the <laughs> NFC Championship game and then he got hurt. <laughs> the following season so i just think people are forgetting about grew a little bit
0: and by the way that 81 yard pass from trey lance was a wobbler and it was a i think it was about 15 to 20 yards and then it was caught and ran for about another 40 or 50 so now it's kind of, if anybody was actually watching but uh you're right what people a are just people are just number watchers that's all they are even even the experts so to speak are number watchers but we know that here anyway kevin sorry uh, your, your take on these five new teams and, uh, possible records.
2: Okay. So for me, I, when considering these records, I looked at the teams individually and I didn't take any consideration, maybe some of the other teams. So I'm not secure in all my records right now for some of these teams. There are some where I think they will be above 500 definitely. And there are others where I'm like, ah, eh, the ones below 500, they could fluctuate between a couple wins or so. um, I guess I'll start with the team that I think I'm more optimistic on. I'm actually really optimistic on New England. Um, I have them 10-7. I think they're better than Miami. I think they have more solid players. I trust the hoodie. I trust Bill Belichick. I trust Mac Jones in in a good system. I think like him with that defense and a solid running game and good receivers and a good O-line, I think Mac Jones, while you won't say he's like an elite quarterback this year, I do think you're going to get very good production out of Mac Jones this year. And he's not flashy, but I think he'll get the job done. Um, Bears, I have them 10 and seven. I think Justin Fields, I think the team, the reason why they were like 500 last several years was because of almost entirely the quarterback play. And I think if, I mean, I think it's, it's a clear cut playoff team beyond quarterback, but if Justin Fields, I think it's just mediocre, if he's just average and he even, is a little bit above a game manager. I think they're a playoff team because they still have the defense. They have a good run game. Allen Robinson, he wanted to get traded. So far, he's been quiet on that front. I think he's waiting and seeing what's going to happen this year. I think Matt Nagy, people have made fun of him for being a scheme guy. But at the same time, it's like, well, no offense to Mitch Trubisky, but Mitch Trubisky isn't you know, an NFL starter in this league. So, so he was he- like working around
1: He banged the Bills, (laughs) banged with the Bills the other day against the Bears. It was bad. Like that was a revenge game and a half.
2: (laughs) Yeah, true. That that, there was animosity there. There was deep, deep animosity. Um 49ers, I have them going 10 and 7. I uh I don't see them being like an upper echelon team because of the division they're in. I'm torn between my opinions on the Rams and the Seahawks, but I do think San is going to be very solid. Um, I think them having the receivers back are going to do wonders for them. But I'm trying to think. My below 500 teams now, I'm kind of still shaky on. I'm probably a little too optimistic for these teams. Um, the Jets, I actually have six and 11 and the Jaguars, I have seven and 10. I actually do think that there's going to be improvements. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a difference maker not to the effect of being in a five above 500 team but like the difference that you would say like the colts with andy Dol- or the colts with andrew luck versus without andrew luck like early on in his career so i think trevor lawrence again he's going to be very good and i would be shocked if trevor lawrence was bad in the nfl <laughs> as usual but i think they're gonna i think you're gonna see these teams make improvements the jets had a solid draft um but again, the wins could be less than that, but they're definitely below 500. That's my record, so for all those teams.
0: Fair stuff. I like the Jags' take, actually. I'm, I'm a little optimistic about their wide receiver cores is uh, on the up and up. Um, yeah, but, Well, yeah, well, Chenault. Chenault, yeah.
1: <laughs> I keep saying that, but then I read all this stuff that says, like, the Jags are kind of out on Chark, which seems really weird to me. I'm all yeah. in on Charks. They're lying they're lying they must be <laughs> i i don't understand it i i'd be all in on Chark this season but i know this is this is what they're watch.
0: doing they want they want the, the the third corner to be on Chark, so he burns everybody for 150 yards a game that's what they're doing
1: i bet, <laughs> I, bet. I bet i believe it but anyway. i've heard i've heard great things about marvin jones though this season i've heard true the front- office loves that guy and thinks that he's going to be like a thousand yard receiver which honestly i i I would buy it if he got a thousand yards if chark and jones had a thousand yards i think i'd buy that right now and chanel would get like 600
0: i'd buy it too because i think trevor's living up to the hype again it's just preseason but it doesn't really look like he's messing around much so he he doesn't look like he's folding he i mean the first game i guess he had a couple sacks that were a little silly but you know, at Clemson, he had more time, he, but he got used to that pretty quickly, and he's figured it out pretty well so far.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, James Robinson happens to go down for one reason or another. I mean, their next guy is like divine Zigbo. They don't have another running back there. It's going to turn into like uh, 90% of the time pass offense. <laughs> like Trevor Lawrence could, could have 4,000 yards in any scenario that James Robinson like is hurt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. Exciting for him. All right, let's do this. Now we're moving to the running backs, as you just mentioned, James Robinson, Uh, the top five running back duos in this league. Now, just before I walked into my grandmother's house to go to her basement to do this show, I saw a tweet that said that J.K. Dobbins was carted off the field. Uh, I have zero update. Maybe Justin does on whether or not he's out for a long period of time, but being carted off the field is certainly no bueno. Um, so that might kind of kick out your running back duo top five, but nonetheless, we'll do that top five. And, uh, we'll start with Justin, uh, your, your top five.
1: Yeah. Um, the JK Dobbins thing, um, is not looking really good. All I know is that his, um, agent, um, tweeted something very ominous and said, uh, J.K. Dobbins is like a heck of a guy and will always come back. And he's like, it's only year two of 20. And I was like, "Uh, if you're talking about years with this guy, it sounds like it could be a really bad injury. I think Dobbins might be out for the year. That would be my guess right now as we're recording this show. Um, But we'll definitely find out in the next two days. My guess is he probably towards PCL. Um but we will see on that. Um but as far as running back duos, um I am going to talk a tiny bit pre-entry um cuz I do think at number 5 is James Robinson and Travis NTN. I think like when NTN's back on the field like those two together is like an absolute menace. Like NTN would have had like 60 to 80 catches this season if he was on the field and Robinson Definitely. is a great running back too. Uh, his rookie year so he's probably gonna have a thousand yards again this season without ntn there um four is alvin kamara and latavius murray i think that one's pretty explainable well murray automatically fills in for kamara when he's not on the field and has always done like a reputable job murray would start at running back on many teams in this league um number three ezekiel elliott tony pollard um They're both killers, I think. I think Pollard is going to overtake Elliott this season, honestly. And I wouldn't be surprised if Elliott leaves Dallas at some point, just because Pollard is, like, that good. He is so speedy and stuff, and, like, people can talk about how they think Elliott can rush for 1,500 yards again. I just don't think he's going to do it without the offensive line there. I think Pollard is way more of an upside on a mid-range offensive line that the Cowboys now have. Number two, um, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Um, Hines takes away a lot of Taylor's catches, but Taylor could really do it all. So having Hines there is literally a bonus at this point. He's probably one of the fastest receiving running backs in the league right now. And Taylor could easily have 1500 yards with Hines still there. And then number one, I feel like it's a throwaway almost the Chubb and Hunt in Cleveland. Uh, Those two are literally like the boxing match of teams. Like, No wonder the Browns are so good now because Baker Mayfield has all the time in the world because everyone's going to think, which one of these running backs is going to run down my throat? Oh no, it's Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Oh no, it's the Hulu, man. (laughs) It's the Hulu, man. It's the number one pick. It's that random Heisman winner that no one cares about. It's freaking Cleveland, man. Cleveland was... I think the statistics were talking about how, prior to Baker Mayfield being there, um, the previous like two seasons the Browns were like had won like two games, and now Baker Mayfield has like saved them. It's not Baker Mayfield; it- it's Chubb and Hunt. <laughs>
0: People forget that Nick Chubb was drafted the same year as Baker Mayfield,
1: <laughs> and Nick Chubb has the highest uh, yards per care. Per carry in the league over the past couple seasons, right in yeah. front of Miles Sanders, and nobody ever pays attention to that. But it, it's Thank a you, huge Justin. deal. You're right. You're I right. talk about that every time I can.
0: <laughs> well, because I even uh, aside from Chubb, that, that's literally the it's like ERA for a pitcher, or or I mean, I guess the argument between like you know OBP or or batting average for a baseball hitter relative to all the other like ones, or or even OPS maybe, but it's these stats that matters like the, the yards or whatever, you know, you can get a fuller 1500 rushing yards, but if you're rushing 40 times a game, well, you know, how, how awesome is that really? So it's a, it's a good point.
1: If Nick Chubb point. could catch a pass, he'd be just as good as Christian McCaffrey.
0: So <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: he, yeah. He just sticks to the uh, my my thighs are bigger than yours, so I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna run type. Of. And his
1: and his hands are literal bricks. So <laughs> yeah.
0: he uh, I remember I think it was his first year he was playing and he was in practice and one of the wide receivers was, or offensive linemen was being interviewed and they they asked what their thoughts were on him and he said, you know this guy actually scares me because he plays practice without gloves on. So he, he, just, he <laughs> runs the ball without gloves and uh, like he's some um, old age guy. So he's um, he's a freak and he's a humble one. I love him. But uh, anyway, uh, Kevin, your top five duo RBs in the league.
2: Can I actually say one thing about Nick Chubb? Oh my God, of course you can. So I was watching, when I was watching the Browns on Hard Knocks, it was like the first episode of the season. It, it, it talks about like Baker and Nick Chubb going to Cleveland. And I guess they got there roughly around the same time. But Baker Mayfield gets off the plane and, like, everyone's crowding him and everyone's, like, trying to get an autograph. And Nick Chubb just comes off with, like, no entourage, no one, like, trying to get an autograph. And then they just show, like, Baker, like, fighting off mobs of people and then Nick Chubb is just at, like, baggage claim just, like, texting on his phone. Like, like playing Angry Birds or something. And then, and it's, like, that guy is going to be, like, a top five player at his position meanwhile, but, like, you know, Baker's like you know, brought in. He was like brought in as a franchise guy, and he got the publicity because you know quarterbacks get that hype. But it's like That's that guy's—it's like that guy's going to be a top five player at his position, and no fanfare at all. But he was super humble. Like he was like, I I love Nick Chubb from just that hard knocks uh yeah. with the Browns. He was awesome from that. Anyway, the top five duos. So I I do have to if I'm going. I'll start with the top five being this. For the Buccaneers, I do have Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones, I'm not the highest on as a runner, but as a pass catcher, he's valuable. I'm higher. They're kind of like a yin and yang, where one, Leonard Fournette being the downhill runner, Ronald Jones being the better pass catcher and can run a little bit. But I think after the Buccaneers season, the run game played a crucial role in getting them to the Super Bowl and winning it, especially with Leonard Fournette. So I have them at five. Um I would say then that my four would have to be, yeah, I'll go there. Um Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. I, I think Josh Jacobs, again, like good great downhill runner, great pure running running back. But Kenyon Drake, better pass catcher, he can run too. But again, yin and yang combo. Um Oakland or now Las Vegas has fourth best running back doing in my opinion. Now for going to three, I agree with Justin here on Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. I think they're both great at running downhill. Um, Ezekiel Elliott kind of had a down year, concern because of you know the injuries with Dallas's O line and retirements. Um, I think he's going to be a top ten back in fantasy this year, and I think even like if he's down, Tony Pollard, I think he could step in that role too and be a great like RB two fantasy wise. So I have them at three. And then the next two are, are, you know, pretty easy, but Calvin, Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray two, And then I have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at one, even though Kareem Hunt doesn't get a lot of touches, he would probably be an, an RB one, you know, on like virtually almost any other team. So the, the fact that he's like the backup to Nick Chubb is kind of insane.
1: Yeah. Thinking about, the raiders in particular with the josh jacobs kenyon drake thing i'm worried about josh jacobs's role on that team yeah like i hate kenyon drake to be honest with you i think, <laughs> you do I you think do sucks uh, <laughs> but i think josh Jacobs might get like screwed out of like important like catches for him i think they're like kenyon drake's gonna be like a receiving back they're worried about josh jacobs being able to play a 17 game season um I think it's a bad move to bringing Kenyon Drake for that team, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, that's really tough to, like, think about for Josh Jacobs, like, having to deal with having to split the receiving role. Because I think that's what gives Josh Jacobs a lot of his value, both as a running back and advancing, is that he does have capture potential, and they're trying to take that away from him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. But it's, it's like trying, it's like bringing Chubba Hubbard to the Panthers and being like, hey, you're going to take over Christian McCaffrey's receiving role. That's like half of his job. So they're literally taking away half of Josh Jacobs' job. Also, Chubba Hubbard, that guy's going to be a killer in the league. Um, But that's besides the point. Um, Yeah, really weird situation with the Raiders' backfield. But I understand that they are a top five backfield probably because the two of them are both there. Their mediocrity together makes them an elite backfield.
0: (laughs) It's like two plus two. It, It does equal four. But um, two and two are less than four. But I get it. I get it. Anywho, um, let's, uh, we're going to do one more question before we get into our predictions for certain things for the NFL season. And that'll be where we end the show. So a sleeper team for the season in both the NFC and the AFC. Uh, just one, po- uh, excuse me, just one team on either end of the spectrum. Doesn't matter. Both. And let's just send it. Sleeper team, Justin, give it to me first.
1: So, interesting enough, both my sleeper teams, I don't even have making playoffs. I think most of the teams (laughs) I have making playoffs. What's the Uh, point? (laughs) Here's the thing. No, hear me out. I think the teams that people consider good are, in fact, good. (laughs) I just don't think any of the teams that people consider bad are going to be that much better.
0: What about the mediocre teams that could be a little bit better?
1: I have mediocre teams. I just don't think any of those mediocre teams like push the line. Like for uh-huh. me, I'm going to say like Washington football team is like my number seven seed, but I don't consider them a sleeper. They were in the playoffs last season and people talk about them. So sure. it's hard for me to say like a team like Washington, which some people would consider mediocre, but most would say they were in the playoffs last season. It's hard for me to say that they are a sleeper. Um, But I do think, for example, like the Eagles, I don't have them making playoffs. People think they're going to suck. Some people think they're going to have a top five draft pick this season. I think they're going to have double-digit wins. And I don't think that's coming from an Eagles fan perspective. I think that's coming from people are so uncertain about Jalen Hurts that they have no choice but to rank them low. So I think that's going to be something that's going to be proven this season that Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback. And the Eagles will have double digit wins i just don't have them making playoffs but they are a sleeper in fact because everyone nobody believes they're going to make it i also think like casual runner-ups i think the giants will have a winning record this season i think a lot of people are underrating the giants right now um and i have the panthers going seven and ten but i think a lot of people are really down on the panthers so like i think all three of those teams have a lot of potential as sleepers And then AFC, uh, I think the Bengals, I have them having going eight and nine, which isn't great, but it's way better than people are projecting them to go. I think Joe Burrow is going to come out and have like a really great sophomore year. Like a lot of quarterbacks come out and have like a sophomore slump, especially considering he's coming off a major injury. But I think even with his bad offensive line, he has a ton of weapons out there. And I think Joe Mixon is probably set up to have a good year. As I say that, I want to pinch myself because I feel like an idiot every time I say Joe Mixon's going to have a good year. But this is Joe Mixon's year. Um, and I think it's the Bengals' year to really show that, like, not this year, but next year, they're going to be an AFC North contender or at least a wild card spot contender. Fair takes. Fair takes.
2: Kevin? So for me, one each I have. We talked about this team before. The Bears I have in the NFC. I think they're potentially a sleeper team. Um, I just think people have been really down on the roster. And I think, again, just changing the quarterback position, I think can do wonders for this football team. But you go to the AFC, I, I think the Denver Broncos, man, like with the Teddy Bridgewater move, like I think they're, I think they're a very solid team. They're not, I, the Chargers you could also say potentially are a sleeper team, obviously because of like Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler, And, you know, like the the additions they've made to their O-line, but I've just seen the Chargers charger too many times over the last decade where it just always feels like there's something missing. And, you know, is Derwin James coming back? Like, I don't know. I still feel like there's some moving parts with this roster. I feel like Denver, they have a pretty solid group. I generally know where the players stand and I know where Bridgewater stands for the most part. So if we're going for a wild card team, you know, to go to essentially a second place with Kansas city. I might pick Denver as being the most consistent, you know, not flashy, but most consistent team.
0: Yeah. By the way, I had the, the chargers as my AFC sleeper. So I'm glad you brought that up. I know Justin's a little, he's, you know, a little restless here, but here's my, here's my point. So Kevin said that the, the chargers, there's been a whole riot for them lately and there has been, but I think finally this year, there isn't, <laughs> I think people are finally, you know, I, I, everybody loves Herbert and such, but I think people have finally kind of given up on the hype train in terms of them as a unit. And I think that's good for them. I think they need people to think they're going to blow and they'll figure it out. Justin Herbert has been playing really well lately with all of his new, new weapons he's found. I believe uh, Jared Cook is now a fun weapon for himself, but he's, uh, they're having a blast out there. And frankly, all their games have been within a five or four point margin of losing they always blow it in the fourth quarter. So if they fix their woes, that's my sleeper. And the NFC, this is similar to what Justin was saying about, will be better, but not great. I actually, I think the Jaguars are going to win seven or eight games uh, this, this coming year. Obviously that is not even close to the playoffs, but I believe they'll win more games than people believe. Um, uh, Justin, were you about to say something before about the Chargers?
1: Oh, I, I mean, I just don't know if they're a sleeper or not, but I understand where you're coming from saying they are a sleeper because they just haven't been anywhere close yet. Um, So, yeah, I agree the Chargers I'd be 100% in on. But also, for anyone who does fantasy leagues, if you draft Austin Eckler in your league and you win a fantasy week, if you post it and at Austin Eckler... He's giving away a signed jersey each week to one of the people who post a winning fantasy team with Austin Eckler on it every week. (laughs) That is sick. So if you're looking for a signed Austin Eckler jersey, make sure to draft him in the first round of your drafts this season. (laughs) That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Thank you for that information. Sell so that I make a lot
2: of money too.
0: <laughs> Depending on my pick in the draft, maybe I'll have him. Maybe I won't. Or maybe if I'm the first pick, I'll just get him anyway. Just to get a free jersey. But uh, um, I'm kidding. That's a silly idea. Anywho. You know,
1: Eckler might just be like, wow, he drafted me first overall. I'll give him a jersey. I would be yeah, surprised. Yeah, true.
0: True. If I, if I send him the tweet, I'm like, yo, bro, I just wasted my whole season just to get your signed jersey. Uh, you're right. That's a good point. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Uh, anyway. Uh, Let's move on, and we'll go to the worst team in the AFC and the NFC for this coming season. And then finally, sorry, I I skipped a question. Then we will finally do our uh, predictions. So, worst team in the AFC and NFC.
1: Justin, start it off. Texans, man. They're trash. They're (laughs) giving up a franchise quarterback. (laughs) They're saying... Um... This Asla Vista to like everything they've ever loved in life and now it's my boy Tyrod Taylor who I love um, trying to throw footballs to uh, Brandon Cooks who lives on the Nile River or otherwise known as Denial River saying Thanks. that Tyrod Taylor is going to be a great quarterback for him because poor Brandon Cooks' career is probably going to die in Houston um that's why Randall Cobb got out and went to, back to Green Bay in order to save Aaron Rodgers and the Packers franchise. Um, but yeah, the Texans are going to be absolute trash this season. They have like 50,000 running backs in their backfield. It's going to be the most Georgia Tech playbook, running back core, run, run every play of the game kind of backfield that you've anyone's ever seen in their lives. It literally might look like a college football game when you watch Houston play in terms of like an entire rushing attack because I don't think they have anything else. Um, so David Johnson and Philip Lindsay and Tyron Taylor will all run the ball around like the pretty little ponies they are where all of their careers have gone to die. Anyways. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Detroit uh, is going to suck in the uh, <laughs> NFC North. <laughs>
0: um, hey, that's not a bad take.
1: I also think the Vikings could be just as bad, too. Those are the two teams that (laughs) FC North I'm watching. One of those teams will be the worst. Um, I just don't think the Lions have much. They're probably going to misuse DeAndre Swift for another season. Uh, Jared Goff's career is most likely going to die there as well. Um, Jared Goff will probably be playing backup for like Jacksonville next season or something like that. He's going to be, he's like the next Joe Flacco, basically, except he didn't win the Super Bowl. Um, So expect Jared Goff to go floating around to the sun after this year. And uh, poor um, TJ Hawkinson, I think his career might be wasted in Detroit as well. So maybe whatever rookie they bring in this next season will fix the Lions, but I definitely think they're the team that is going to die.
0: All right. uh, Maybe Kevin can put this in nicer terms. (laughs) Uh, just uh, wow, Kevin, uh, your worst team in the AFC and NFC. You maybe don't have the hammer at home so much.
1: Well, Detroit's gonna get run over like Ford Motors is right inside <laughs> their own city. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin. No, go. I'll,
2: I'll get. I'll give a, another analogy because I have both those teams. But so you know what? To, you know what the lines are gonna be like. The Lions are, are gonna, gonna, gonna be, be like. like you know how there, how Detroit was Motor City in the 40s and 50s when the car industry was booming, booming. Now comes the crash, so it's going to be like Detroit in the 60s and 70s when there were riots and all the jobs left. But oh, nice. <laughs> but on the bright side, you have a lot of draft picks. You're not going to be good though, Detroit. You're probably going to be one of, if not the worst team. I think Detroit and Houston are clearly the worst teams. I mean, Houston self-inflicted self-destruction too like i don't i, I don't know this might this might have been a tear down of biblical proportions just in terms of like you know at like tmz news coming in with like just self-inflicted gm wounds and you know i mean you could probably write a novel on just all the chaos that's going on in houston and it would probably sell millions of copies but in terms of different teams now I think those two are clearly the worst teams, but teams that could potentially be bad. These are teams that I think like potentially, you know, could teeter towards those teams. I think the Falcons maybe potentially like having to play in a division with the Buccaneers and the saints and, you know, rebuilding Carolina. Like I think potentially like, you don't know what's going to happen with Matt Ryan. Like, is this his last year? What's going to happen there? Um, Potentially, again, Cowboys, hard knocks. I mean, there's some juicy stuff there, potentially. Bad O-line, you know, questionable, like, worst defense. What was it, like, worst passing defense, like, in all of NFL history last year? That could potentially get bad in ugly with Mike McCarthy. Um, if you go AFC, man, I mean, Jets could be pretty bad. Uh, Colts could be pretty bad with their injuries. Steelers may be bad. I'm a little bit more optimistic than them being bad, just straight bad, like horrible. I don't think they're a playoff team. But I think it could get bad. But I think clearly, clearly Detroit and Houston are just going to be so bad. My God. But my God, sorry.
1: No, you're good. It's crazy to think about Houston. Like you talk about self-inflicted wounds. Like how hard is it just to hire Eric Benimi out of the Chiefs' offensive coordinators. <laughs> like, that's all Deshaun Watson wanted. And instead, you hire Dave Stoley. And it's like, Deshaun Watson asked for one thing and they just refused to do it. And like, everyone's shocked that that guy didn't get a head coaching job. Yet, uh, yeah. this Dave Stoley, dude, fun fact that probably no one knows, he was actually the first Black person to play quarterback at Vanderbilt in their school's history. What is with you? how do
0: you how do you this is every time you just it's it's twice it's twice a show you say something (laughs) that that frankly i i don't know if the internet knows the answer to i I, I I really really i don't know that i'm kidding i know i know (laughs) but did you see that somewhere you actually like found like like looked it up and or you it popped up somewhere
1: i happened to find it when i was doing research about him okay back when they were doing the head coach hiring I okay that's that's me. not as wild not as so, wild okay i have also mentioned like the hard knocks thing they showed this great video of trayvon diggs's kid so it was trayvon diggs and like i think it was his mother and they were with his son and they were talking to his son and he was like oh this is how my dad moves on the football field and he did like this little juke thing and it's like this is how stefan diggs moves on the field and he does it really slowly and then and then they're like hey do you know who you're meeting today and he's like yeah and they're like who are you meeting he's like Patrick Mahomes and they were they were like you are and he's like yeah I'm meeting Patrick Mahomes and they were like you're not meeting Patrick Mahomes he's like I'm confused and it was like no you're meeting Dak Prescott and he's like oh so no uh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I was oh. like, yes. I love the hard knocks burn where it's like, ah, I don't get my Patrick Mahomes. I have to do with uh, my side meal deck.
0: <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Tough times. Tough times. Um, all right. This is the last thing we're going to do. And I'm actually, so we were going to do the d- divisional winners, but I'm going to hold off until next week when we have Marshall here. So we don't sound redundant. And we'll do it with Marshall, have his take and such. Um, but I'll, I'll end the show with what will be the Super Bowl matchup and who's going to win. Because this can be subject to change next week or even if it's redundant, it's not a big deal. But the divisional ones will be too much when Marshall's around, so we'll wait for him. But uh, so, yeah, who will be in the Super Bowl and who's going to win? And if you want to throw a hot take for a fun one, F it. Go for it. Uh, Kevin, you go first.
2: I think I'm staying with my pick, man. I, I'm staying with the Cleveland Browns versus the LA Rams, big city versus big country. We're gonna I think that's that's the beef here in the Super Bowl. I think this is like potentially the matchup. I think they're sleeper teams. I'm conflicted on the Rams because they're in a really tough division. I think the Seahawks and the 49ers are gonna be at their throat. Um but also too, I think the Browns are a sleeper because I think In that AFC Divisional game, they were really trying to get the passing game in with like Rashard Higgins and guys like that. But I think, I forget what the stat was, but it was either Nick Chubb or their running backs had below 20 touches in the game. And I think they they really had Kansas City on the ropes, especially towards the end. I think if they run that ball over 20 times, I think we could be talking about them being in the conference championship then instead of Kansas City. I think if they stick to running the ball, they're a really good deep football team. And if they stick to that formula and don't have Baker, you know, be everything to everything, then I think they could really go far potentially.
1: All right. And Justin, I'm a basic little B. And uh, I think I'm taking the uh, Chiefs over the Bucks in the Super Bowl. Uh, I really just think those two teams are so well intact compared to everyone else that they stand above the rest. And uh, this supposedly is McCole Hardman's year. Um, they say he's the number two wide receiver there. Sammy Watkins isn't even there. He's in Baltimore now. So I'm uh, really hoping that McCole Hardman has like his coming out party because that dude could be just as good as Tyreek Hill very easily. So, you know,
0: Justin, you're you're starting to uh, like love uh, the
1: the Georgia products, and I'm I'm here for it, bro. I've talked about Nicole Hardman since his rookie year because he was a special teamer, and I love special teamers. So yeah. I yeah. really hope that Hardman finally gets his shot. If he actually yeah. gets it, like he will take the league by storm very quickly. And the people Chiefs- people don't know.
0: They don't know. The chiefs don't. could
1: have a perfect season if Hardman was like a true wide receiver too, because right. if you do, yeah. you might have one corner in safety who can compete with Tyree kill. There is nobody in the league that has two that can compete with yeah. Tyree kill and McCall Hardman. If they're both running deep routes, there's just no one. Right.
0: Right. I don't think people, people just don't know how, how fast he is. And so, I mean, yeah, Ty, Tyree is a better athlete and such, but the chiefs were just not using two of that type of guy. But if Mikael Hardman was on any other team, uh, you'd notice it. You would. You would notice it a lot. Yeah. So
1: he just has to learn uh, a route or two, and he'd be good to go.
0: Right. Right. But I. I agree. I was. I'm very. Uh, I mean. I guess I feel a little bit for Watkins, but my God, am I excited for for Hardman to get out there and, and get some love? So yeah. hopefully they keep Pringle on the sideline, you know. But uh, we'll see. Um. Anyway, my if if anybody's curious mine, I I'm I'm gonna do the the. Titans and Rams. I got the Rams with, with Kevin, but I'm I'm hogging on the Titans here as a low key sleeper to be there. I'm I'm hoping for him. I lo- I think Julio Jones is gonna pop off, and um, you know Derek Derrick Henry's gonna do his Derrick Henry thing. Uh, so hopefully that works out for themselves. Anywho, any other parting remarks before I sign off, gentlemen?
1: I- All right. Rang for J.K. Dobbins, man. That absolutely sucks. Another sophomore running back that I absolutely love, probably out the door. Yeah, yeah, very hard,
0: very hard. All right, well, that'll do it for QU Hot Takes. Yanks kicking ass right now, loving it. My name is Andrew White. I've been alongside Kevin Slattery and Justin Ellis. We're signing off here for QU Hot Takes, and next week we'll have Marshall back on. It'll be right before football season. And hopefully Andrew White will be a happy man with Georgia beating Clemson. Uh, right before that, we will find out.
1: Nonetheless, sweet dreams. It's a great day to be alive. And go dogs. Peace out. Good recoveries to Reese Hoskins. Hope he comes back healthy.
2: Yeah, I, um, I, you know, congrats on the Yankees win streak ended tonight. So they're in good shape. But, you know, also, too, like, you know, keeping up with the news a little bit, is a little different, but... You know thinking of you know the soldiers in afghanistan and stuff what's going on over there really really sad images coming out of there um you know and the soldiers over there do they're doing great humanitarian work doing god's work you know getting people out of afghanistan and you know there there, there's a lot that's gone wrong there in the past 20 years but you know if if we can help get people out and People can come here and live a better life, that's really good and positive, but you know, people really appreciate what our soldiers have been doing over there. They've been straight professionals. So um yeah, you know, just thinking about it.